Like I always think back, like I should be doing more cold outreach and get even bigger guests. Like I just think there's always more potential because you can reach pretty much anyone on the internet. Hey friend, it's David Nabinsky here in Brooklyn. Here at the Portfolio Career Podcast, we help you take ownership of your portfolio career and design the life that you want to live. Today's conversation is with Justin Gordon. Uh, Justin is the Director of Marketing at Vitalize, a venture capital firm. You'll learn how he got this job through forming a relationship through podcasting. We talk a lot about podcasting on this episode. Justin, like me, started a podcast, the Just Go Grind podcast, uh, that is over 320 episodes in 2018. Uh, We talk about how he started this show, some unique advantages Uh, or approaches that he had that really helped him grow the show and and talk to some incredible people. And now he currently is podcasting and producing a podcast and hosts the podcast for Vitalize as well. So skills that you can be developing on your personal projects on the side um, can translate in a lot of different ways professionally. And so you'll learn how uh, he thinks about podcasting as a way to form incredible relationships, how to ask better questions, and some other really great life hacks as well. So this episode is really action-packed on podcast so if you're starting or growing a show, this episode is perfect for you. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go, Justin. Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks. I appreciate you having me on. It's, it's so interesting is that we kind of started podcasting around the same same time. 20 summer of 2018 and you've got me beat on episodes but i won't i won't <laughs> hold, i won't hold that uh against you but was curious as to how you got started what was that you know i started in a course uh i was curious as to like what was that impetus for the the first episode yeah i had always listened to podcasts for a very long time i think i you know even in 2013 maybe 2014 i started listening to shows and i had a drive back and forth from in Wisconsin, from Milwaukee to Green Bay. It was like two hours, like once a week. And I, I need something besides music. I mean, this is just a waste of time. I'm just, just listening to music. So I got in a podcast. And so the impetus for me starting in 2018, I knew I was getting an MBA in just, you know June or July to go start that program. I already applied to programs. So I knew I was going to get in. So I, in January, I started Just Go Grind as a like website only, as a blog. I had that blogging kind of background from Just Go Fitness. And so I was having these conversations like already in general about talking to entrepreneurs and different people in different careers and launching this site called Just Go Grind was like a career site. I wanted to showcase people in different careers. What was it actually like day to day? And so I just had them kind of like user-generated content. I just had them submit answers to questions in a blog format. I'm like, oh, great. I could just have these on the, on the site. But then I was like, I kind of want to like ask follow-ups and I'm curious, I want to dive deeper. And like, this is just not enough for me to just have this blog post. I'm like, I want to actually talk to them. And so that materialized into, well, I've been listening to podcasts. I like having these conversations. I want to get this stuff out there. I'm going to be starting an MBA and seeing all these like different people. Let's launch the show. And I'll give a shout out to Pat Flynn, Smart Passive Income. He had a bunch of tutorials and stuff on podcasts. So I actually watched one of his uh, to get started. And I was just like, let's just launch this thing. I think I'd also seen like maybe Tim Ferriss right before that had mentioned, like, just do your first few episodes. If you hate it, you can stop. And I'm like, all right, get my best friend. Like, let's do this podcast thing. Uh, I go on to delete that episode accidentally, get someone else on. And then there you go. I was off to the races, man. <laughs> uh, we got together a couple of weeks ago. And so I'm, I, I was one, I wasn't sure if you were going to, were you comfortable talking about that. So the first episode, yeah, the first recording you had to delete. That's Man. <laughs> you just got to keep going. 
it actually like something with transferring files got yeah somehow got deleted figuring out audacity and figuring out what format to export it in and whatever and you know that's why lower the stakes whenever possible on that type of thing i some people want to go out with a huge bang and like oh let's try a big launch and all that stuff for me I, I like to lower the stakes just get started with products and test things and then can always iterate from there and so luckily Best friend had no problem at all. So that's great. It's like, oh, we'll do another one. No big deal. Got someone else in the interim to do the episode because I was doing them in person at the time. Uh, and so I got someone else to do it. And then it worked out. I had the first episode. I was like, all right, well, this was fun. Let's do some more and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and clearly kept going. Uh, that's interesting. Is podcasting while getting an MBA too? It's, you know, that's such a, I don't know. Do you think that's kind of like a, like a life hack or like, I don't, I don't know many other people that have a podcast while they're getting an MBA. Like MBA is like, you know, in general, it's like such an incredible learning and networking opportunity, but then you're like compounding it by then, like almost externally utilizing the space of an MBA to be like, okay, I'm learning, I'm figuring out things, et cetera. But then also you're like, well, I can do that externally as well. Yeah. Well, I like doing things that force you to learn, grow, expand, et cetera. So I think when you put you put skin in the game in some capacity and yeah, I could have just stopped podcasting, right? Like, of course, but I like doing things that kind of forces you to do more. So for me, getting the MBA, obviously it's a time in general, you have this two-year block of, of learning and growth, et cetera. So I knew that was going to happen regardless. Like that's why I got the MBA, form connections, et cetera. And then the podcast part of it was really tied into, like I said, helping people with different careers, you know, self-serving. I want to know different aspects of what different careers are for. I, I don't know what, what my next move was going to be after the MBA. Like I knew coming in, like, I want to start something, I want to build something, but I'm not sure the route I'm going to go. And so for me, the podcast to be able to have more conversations with people. And then the biggest hack of all, just following up with guest speakers in class. I mean, that like, to me was worth it alone where I said before, like people would ask these guest speakers, like, Oh, like let's meet up for coffee. But it's like, you're an MBA student. They're super busy entrepreneurs or like VCs. And like, they don't take a ton of coffee chats, just randomly they're busy. And so, but I would just be like, I have this podcast. I showcase all the episodes previously, kind of leverage that to make them feel bad or not, who knows, whatever. But then they would come on the show. And so like doing that in an MBA, like, I think it was the best time I could have possibly started a show because I got to play that student card for two years and then have all these guest speakers and everything. And uh, there are some that I was like, maybe too afraid to ask. I didn't ask that were like, say very big names that I didn't want to impede on, but I did ask a fair amount of people to come on the show. Let's put it that way. Where everyone, everyone around me though, they knew that I had a show. They were like, are you going to ask him about the podcast? You're going to ask her to come on the podcast? And be like, yeah, I'm going to ask her to come on the podcast. Like most of them said yes. So it was no big deal. It worked out. <laughs> yeah. The, the MBA card. Yeah. <laughs> well, like that works, you know, I think well with, you know, Hey, you know, I'm interested in working at this company, et cetera. Like, can you answer this question, et cetera, or can you help out? But to then say, Hey, be a guest on the show. Okay. Um, and so clearly uh, for a while you were really pumping them out and it seems like you mentioned about the guest speakers. Uh, it also seems like you may have used like the power of like referrals uh, to, to grow the show. You can talk to us yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah, I think there are a lot of different sources to get podcast guests. And I think looking at getting guests for a show, there's a lot of different ways to go about it at this point in time. So I'm 320 something into my show, 50 into the podcast, did a bunch of other ones for a different show. It all depends on what you're going for. The thing I would say is like doing cold outreach, 
a lot of that's helpful for early on if you're going after guests because you just don't have a big, big network depending on what your space what space you're in. So you may have domain expertise, you can get guests on easily, etc. But even now, I use cold outreach a different way. A lot of cold outreach I'll use is for massive guests that I don't have any connection to, but I still want on the show. So like a good example for the Vitalize podcast was Hunter Walk from Homebrew quarter million Twitter followers, just a big name in the venture world. One of the most well-respected VCs. Like that was just a cold DM. I'm just like on Twitter, DM him. Hey, I like what you're doing. This is what we're going. This is our angle. Love to have you on the show. And he said, yes, like that easy. So like, I think when you're looking at getting guests for a show, the cold outreach is great for some of those bigger ones. And you should kind of always constantly be pushing yourself. Like I always think back, like I should be doing more cold outreach and get even bigger guests. Like, I just think there's always more potential because you can reach pretty much anyone on the internet. And so knowing that you do that. So how the show grows over time, like for me, a lot of the referrals, as you mentioned, when I was doing the show daily, so I just go grind podcast. I was doing daily from like August, 2020 for like a hundred and something days straight, every single day doing a podcast The ask at the end of each show was just, Hey, like I'm doing this daily show. Can you refer me like one guest or two guests? And because I was doing that, it made it a lot easier for them to say yes to that. Cause I'm doing like a more ambitious project. I made, made that known and they just had a great interview. Hopefully they enjoyed the you know, last hour we were talking and they were very warm to like then have a, someone else on the show. I suggest someone else on the show. So it's a mix of like these cold outreach referrals. And then now what happens a lot as you grow a show, you just have inbound. And so I have a lot of inbound come through um, from PR companies. One thing I'll say when PR folks reach out to you, like always respond very kindly because they have other clients they work with. I think people kind of forget that. And like, you could just like, brush it off. Oh, I'm not a fit. Like just brush it off. I try to respond to everyone. I'm like, Hey, appreciate you reaching out. Like, this is what I'm looking for. in guests. this guest does not fit the mold. This guest does fit the mold. I'm kind of have a big queue of guests. So I'm not looking for guests now, maybe reach out in a month. Like I always just try to have something. And sure enough, a lot of those have come through where the next guest is like amazing. And then I get this amazing, incredible guest. And I'm like, I did like no work for this. <laughs> they just came to me. Like I have these founders now that are like, billion dollar company founders, or even one more recently that I think I'll have in the show, like is like an heir of some like very wealthy family where their grandpa's like a billionaire. And it's just like, all because you have a podcast, it's kind of insanity to me, like even thinking about that, where I do nothing. And just obviously I did a lot of work beforehand, but now things come to you. So at this point, you know, this many episodes in, it's a mix of referrals, cold outreach, and people coming to me earlier on, it was, I did leverage some of my friends I had some referrals, a little bit of cold outreach. And then even with like the people in the MBA program, use that as well. But there's a lot of different ways to go about getting guests too. Yeah. I do want to hear more about skin in the game and, and testing products and stuff too. But uh, on this topic of podcasting, uh, talk to us about episode 240. <laughs> oh, that one. I wonder why that's significant at all. Uh, yeah. So getting Gail Wilkinson from at the time, it was Irish Angels and Vitalize the Fund. Now we're all Vitalize Venture Capital as one. Getting her on the show, I think that's a point of the cold outreach side of things where you're paying attention to people who are doing interesting things and wanting to get them on the show. So for me, that was a cold DM to Gail. I'd seen like tweets she was doing and like just looked interesting. Like, okay, not many women in venture she had an angel community that was massive and then also a fund. And I'm just like, this is really interesting. I want to talk to her. She said yes to come on the show. So that was amazing. And that was episode 240. And then after the fact of that, big story goes that then she, from that point, had posted this position around director of marketing community at Vitalize. And that seemed interesting. 
I just retweeted to my network being like, someone else should have this, not me, because I am heads down doing daily podcasting. I'm thinking only getting sponsors. I'm thinking of growing my own thing finally, because I'm finally doing my own thing full time. And then a week later, I talked to my friend and she convinces me, she basically says like, yeah, why don't you consider this role? I'm like, this role sounds very good. I actually kind of want to. Uh, and then I ping Gail and be like, hey, like if it's remote full time, if I can do my Just Go Grind podcast still, let's have a conversation. And that led to me joining Vitalize. So 240 episodes in to join a venture firm. I'm sure people can do it a lot faster, but that was my journey into Vitalize. <laughs> wow. That's that's crazy that you initially retweeted it and you're kind of yeah. like, oh, this is cool, but not for me. Uh, I don't know. I, I, there's probably some kind of framework or some kind of you know, psychological thing about it's like, you kind of see something and, uh -huh. but like, maybe you're like, it's almost too good. Or you're like, Oh, I, I think somebody else should have it. But then like, until you kind of process it a little bit more, you're like, actually. Yeah. I think there's a couple of things with that though. So understanding the situation at the time. So obviously if you're in your lane doing something that you're doing and you're like, if you're like me, you're just like, laser focus, heads down. Like I'm not doing anything else. That's why I'm reaching out to Gail and on to the next podcast guest. You know, you're not like at the time open to anything else, but you kind of have to always be open to something else. Cause you just don't know what opportunities come in. And I think on top of that, like looking at the, what I saw initially, like, okay, so there was some question around what the role entailed. You know, you have a job description, which is a, a starting point. I would say you have location, which, you know, I had to figure that out. What's location, all that. The other component I didn't mention yet is like the pay was not MBA level pay. So initially when I retweeted, like the pay was less, it was like 80 to hundred K or something. And for MBA level, anyone knows the average is much higher than that. So I was just like, you know, wasn't thinking about that as an opportunity. So you look at, you glance at that, you're like, oh, it's not a fit, whatever. You kind of just look by it. But then you realize like, I don't know if it was like Steve Jobs saying like, you can like mold the world how you want. Like, I just think of that too. Like nothing is, is like, is, is set in stone. Like, everything's flexible. And so once I kind of thought more about that and was like, well, just because this role said this, like, doesn't matter. That mean, that's what it's going to be. Like, especially at a venture fund, you're thinking, okay, are they flexible on this? And for the right role, for the right person, that's a good fit. Companies will make it happen if they want you. And so for me, I was like thinking more about it. I'm like, okay. I got this MBA from a top school. I have this podcast thing and this very unique like set of skills and network. This is worth something to a venture firm. And that's just what I thought internally. Like this is definitely worth something to a venture firm. And for me, it was also a matter of like, okay, if she wouldn't have gone up to what I wanted salary-wise and everything, I'm like, I didn't have to take the role. I was already heads down on my own thing. So like I already kind of knew what I wanted to do. And so all of those factors kind of combined uh, made it interesting once I negotiated, got that up and like figured out where I was going to go with this, saw the direction of where this, where this could go longer term. Cause for me, you kind of always think longer term, it made sense. So all those factors kind of came together for that. Yeah. And, and then that you all started a podcast after that, right? So then your podcasting skills and stuff were, uh, extremely, uh, useful, valuable, and you know, you're utilizing them every day, right? Or yeah. Yeah. I mean, all the time. I mean, we had uh, two interviews this week and that's actually now we're getting to the deeper part of the podcast strategy, even like what, what we're doing now. So the two interviews this week were one was a fund one portfolio company of ours that we invested in a fund one, um, had him on the show. So John Morris from, from nowhere. And then the other one was uh, Amanda from balloon. And that was a, our first company out of our angel investing community, Vitalize angels. That was the first company that came through that. And like I had had her on my podcast in August of 2020. So two years ago, she came on the Just Go Grind podcast. 
And then when we had Angel Community launch, she was the first person to come through that. So it's funny to talk to her about that and be like, well, first of all, Amanda, thank you for uh, taking a risk with us. Like you didn't know what this Angel Community was. Like, you know, we had a venture firm, but like you took a risk on us in some ways to go through this new process. And so that was, that was amazing as well. So, I mean, crazy how this, the podcasting strategy, everything comes to play too. I mean, it's just, wow. I'm such a huge fan. <laughs> uh, do we think there'll be a, a third or fourth podcast in the, in the future or, <laughs> no, you know, honestly, I have to like stop starting new things. I have to constantly <laughs> tell myself, no, David, I'm just thinking like, there's so many ideas we have all the time. You're kind of constantly thinking about which ones are worth it or not. And I'll give you like one of them that we've thought about before. So we, our team got together. So Gail, Caroline, Larissa, who leads our community, uh, Caroline's also a partner. The four of us were in person in Los Angeles for the first time. So we met each other literally all for the first time. I met all of them separately, but together for the first time. And we did a podcast in actual recording studio in Los Angeles that like big podcasters use, whatever. And like in there, we had ideas for different podcasts. We just kept talking about stuff. So one of the ones we wanted to do is a podcast called Off Topic is my name for it. So if someone steals that name, I'd be very disappointed. We haven't launched it yet. We're not, it's, I don't know how far in the works it even is, but really talking about everything but venture for venture capitalists. Like who are these people? What do you actually do? I'm just trying to think of different ways to go about a podcast, different angles. And why know who the people are behind them? Because a lot of times you have no idea. And the only thing is finding people who are interesting enough, obviously to come on the show. Cause you're like, Oh, maybe you do just invest in companies and you literally think of nothing else. And then it wouldn't be that interesting, but I think everyone has a deeper story that I would find fascinating. And as a starting point, I had to be interested in it or as it's going to be a terrible interview and hopefully other people, other people are interested. So we'll see how that goes. But I think of ideas like that, that are different or ideas that are more niche. I have had an idea for a while for a show uh, around side hustles. I've done side hustles for, so we're in 2022, probably the last decade uh, I've had side hustles. So I've always kind of been interested in doing a show around that and showcasing people with different side hustles, because I think that has a much more broad appeal, obviously, than this tiny world of venture capital I live in. And to me, like anyone could have a side hustle that could change, you know, someone making a thousand or $2,000 a month can fundamentally change their life at a pretty big level for a lot of people. And once I thought about that, like that's a show I've always kind of wanted to start. So to answer that, there's so many ways I'm thinking of different different shows and podcasts that if only I had more than 24 hours in a day, David, I think I would have done these already, but we'll see. Maybe they'll happen eventually. Well, you really speak into the power of podcasting and the, and the possibility of it and stuff like that. And, and well, 24 hours a day, I mean, well, you know, you get up at three, four o'clock in the morning. Uh, so, you know, uh, <laughs> I try to make the most of it. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked about, so you mentioned earlier about skin in the game. And so yeah. um, talk to us a little bit about, and maybe that's kind of connected to side hustles or connected to, uh, talk to us a little bit about how you kind of think about, yeah, like the importance of skin in the game and yeah, maybe some ways that you've uh, gotten skin in the game. And and yeah, I mean, if you look at something I always think about, um, there's like that quote around the man in the arena and they talk about that and people actually playing the game, actually in the game. I think just in general and how I view kind of life and the products to take on, et cetera, are just having some type of skin in the game that then can fuel all the things you're working on. So inherently being on the investor side of things, we invest in these companies, we want them to succeed. And obviously we're not running the company, but I think about that all the time. And okay, how can we help them in any capacity? Like they're more of a grow our audience. We have them on the show. They have more reach. Maybe they have 
one or two key hires they make because of us. Maybe they get a few more key customers be because of us. And when you think about them being so aligned with these companies that we've invested in, like I've invested personally in like five or six of the companies I've come through by Los Angels. And so I look at those companies, I think about them all the time. I'm just like, oh, what can I do for that company? I'm like, can I can I help open access get more uh, more pipeline in terms of their data their data play? Like there's so many things you think about when you have skin in the game. It just kind of gets alignment way better than anything else. And so, you know, that's what I was saying with the podcast before and like having that way of learning, like you, you kind of can't help learning if you have a podcast because what's going to happen every week? You're going to talk to a guest. And what does that mean? You're going to research the guest. And so you're going to automatically learn about their industry or whatever they're interested in initially. And then you get to dive deeper when you actually have the interview. So it forces you then to learn more about whatever topic it is you're, you're talking about. So whatever podcast you're doing, if you're doing an interview show, you're inherently going to learn more. So you have some type of skin in the game because you don't want to look like an idiot out there. Like if you don't do your, your research, you don't sound as good. You don't want to look like an idiot on a podcast. And so you have to research. So there's inherently like alignment on that. And then also when you look at like longer term and why so many guests have been gracious enough to give me referrals or even come on for a second time, it's only because they enjoyed the experience. And they only enjoyed the experience because I worked a lot at the craft and did the research like for them because I wanted to give them a good experience. And so that was all because having skin in the game of doing something that you know is going to be pushed out to people every week, it aligns it perfectly. Like if you didn't have that, no incentive. If it was going to be just be our, us in the conversation, like there's no incentive necessarily. And even in this world of venture, you look at like people who are playing long-term games, understand that it's going to be years and years and years before these companies you know, IPO or they get acquired. And even looking at getting access to deals repeatedly over and over again, if you screw someone over, like that's forever, basically. I mean, you might say you can bend the relationship, but like there's not a lot of incentive to screw people over in this industry because it is so relationship driven. The only caveat to that is when people do it for a massive payday, because that outweighs the kind of risk with, you know, ruining that relationship, which Naval Ravikant talks about a lot in his podcast around that. So you have these alignments there, but I just think having a skin in the game is really important to then align incentives, um, which ultimately then I just think it's a better way to live and operate. to have that. And so I like to try projects that force me to learn something, having a newsletter go out weekly. If I announce it and make a big announcement on Twitter, you do this thing and then you don't end up continuing on with it. It makes you look stupid. So then I'm like, oh, I should probably keep this thing going. And yeah, there's sometimes you have to kill projects, but I think overall it's been helpful to kind of move me forward in both learning and just progress for producing over time. Yeah. What about, uh, how have you thought about kind of question asking? Like, do you think is that, is there uh, certain types of questions or have you learned anything about there that you think is kind of applicable to just like your more day-to-day -day yeah. life? Like, yeah, I mean, how I look at, I mean, so I'll give you the framework I used for my course I did on podcasting around how to look at kind of, if you're an interviewer and you're asking questions, there's really two things. You have shovel and you have a compass. So at any point in time, you can use your shovel and dig deeper on anything the guest has said. So you, the guest says something, you ask why, you ask how they did that. You ask, oh, you did that versus this. How did that happen? You're like, where did that take place? Where, where were you in your life when that happened? You can always dig deeper on anything the guest says. So like when I first did podcast and I got stumble a bit more on some questions at this point, I really rarely stumble because I can always ask them why on something to save you time if you're really you're struggling for something. And the, then the, the compass framework is around, okay, what direction do you want this interview to head? So you look at some interviewers, if you look at maybe like Jason Calcanis, sometimes Joe Rogan, they'll, inter they'll interrupt 
Joe Reagan rarely does. I think Jason Calcanis from this week in startups interrupts a lot more, but I think the reason being is he in his head probably has the compass around where he wants to take everything. And so he's always tweaking that based on the compass around, okay, what direction do I want this to head? And what happens, I think when you listen to interviews and I just like become a student of this, you know, when the conversation is going somewhere you don't want to go, or like for some reason, the guest is on a tangent that's boring. You use the compass to guide it somewhere else, which is why someone might interrupt to guide someone else if it's not where they want to go. Or after the guest says their response, you guide to a whole new direction because you want to head this way as the interviewer. So using the shovel to dive deeper into anything that they say and using that compass to kind of direct the conversation is a framework for how I look at asking questions. And then I think more broadly, how that's kind of applied. I can talk to any founder at this point, feel very comfortable, investor, very comfortable because I've had 400 interviews I've done and I have a framework for how to kind of ask questions and get to the bottom of things. And then lastly, just letting your curiosity guide you for asking questions, I think is the best part. I'm naturally very curious. And so for me, it's never hard. Like I've never had, I think as a little kid, I never had a problem talking to adults, even as like a tiny kid, because I just was so freaking curious around everything. I'm like, why is that the way it is? Like, why is that the way it is? And then I think when I talk to friends about stuff too, it's the same type of thing around like, you know, why you do that? Why are you considering this versus this? And I think, you know, on a foundational level, reading like the four hour work week and Tim Ferriss and his, his stuff around everything with kind of questioning your reality, questioning assumptions, all of that guides to questions as well, because people kind of have in their head, their framework or whatever, how they operate. If you question that, it gets deeper than to think, oh, like, I never really thought about why I do it that way. And that to me is really interesting as you get a layer deeper than people's kind of surface layer answers. And so a lot to say around questions. I think about questions all the time, ask a lot of questions on Twitter for that very reason as well. Uh, I think it's foundational. People can learn a lot from asking the right questions. It just takes a lot of practice too. Is there other resources that you think that people could go to learn about questions? And uh, while you're thinking about that, I totally agree. I think that there's something about like, being forced to have conversations like this, like it sounds like you were, you know, a lot earlier, you were a lot more comfortable. But for me, I think like having these conversations has made me more comfortable and confident to have other types of like conversations with inspiring people, successful people and stuff like that. So that's been a kind of a a forcing function uh, for me that's helped me level up. But you mentioned for our work week, but uh, anything else that people want to learn more about how to ask better questions? Yeah, I think if you look at some of the best interviewers, that listening to their, their interviews, I mean, it's the best way to learn the best questions because they are, they are masters of their craft, right? If you look at these all timers, you just like, Oh, what was the setup for that interview? That question, like, how did they guide the question at that point? I, I think about even in an interview, okay. I wouldn't ask a really deep probing question as the first question. Like that would be, especially if you don't know the guest. And so even think about the sequencing of questions, you figure that out by listening to interviews. Like if you listen to more interviews, you figure out, okay, like this question came after this one, after this one, after this one. Oh, they started with more of a softball, but that warmed the guest up. Oh, when the guest did open up on this topic, that was an opening to ask this question. And so like, soup, I've gone super deep on all of this to figure this, this shit out. It's just like, once you do that, you listen to enough interviews, you figure that out. You decide like where you can go from point A to point B. And like, as the interview progresses, for instance, in the podcast specifically, you figure out when you have that moment where you can ask a certain question, eventually it becomes kind of like second nature. And so I think people can learn more about asking questions just by listening to more interviews uh, and, and paying attention to the questions that are asked. If you literally just watch like whatever, I just say Joe Rogan is the biggest one, but like just list his questions as he's going, like 
at question one, this is the question he asked. What's the question two, whatever. And you're paying attention to obviously what the guest says, which gave him an in to ask certain questions. But if you did that, you'd see the follow-up sequence and how, oh, he used the compass here. He went in a new direction. Oh, he just dug deeper here in this one. And that gives you ideas for questions. And then even Tim Ferriss, again, has some good questions as well for his stuff as well. Sh- shovel and compass. Wow. I had to get creative when I was creating this course, man. I was like, I need some frameworks. I used the, I used Maven and they're, they're fantastic. And their level, their bar for courses is just so high. So I was like, when I'm doing mine, I need to have at least one framework to not be an idiot with this course. And so I thought about that one. Like, that's what I do. And like, oh, shovel and compass. That's really how I've gone about it. Cool. Uh, so we talked a lot about, you know, how podcasting can open up a lot of opportunities and, you know, these kind of forcing functions and getting skin in the game. Is there anything else uh, that you think uh, we should talk about, about kind of the power of podcasting and, or any other kind of like life hacks that you think are really important? Yeah, I think podcasting is a fantastic kind of like, I don't know if it's necessarily top of funnel because in theory, top of funnel would be like a LinkedIn and Twitter. Like you have that kind of initial thing and then you get to then maybe ask the questions and have them on a podcast. But I do think in terms of relationship building, it's not the bottom of the funnel. It's definitely something that can start relationship building. And I think the real magic happens after. So one of the things like I've talked about when, again, when I did that course was a matter of like, okay, how do you use a podcast to build relationships? So it's a starting point, but then what does that lead to afterwards? Does it lead to another call later? Did you like, for instance, David, you do the interview. If you gave more anecdotes of what your experience was during this, then like me as the guest, I'm like, what, David, what about after the interview is over? I would be like, well, David, what about this? What about this? Which is another way to go dive deeper. And that's happened to me a number of times on the show where I give this anecdote and then they, they're like, wait, hold on. That thing you said in the interview, like, what was that? And that gives you a level deeper. I also tell people before, like I have done this before where at every major update or milestone like in my life, I ping all my past podcast guests. And so- when I got this job at Vitalize, I pinged everyone. When we launched Vitalize Angels, I pinged everyone. When it was like my hundredth episode, I pinged everyone. The first hundred, like using these opportunities, just just to have another like, hey, I'm here, here I am, like you know. And then as you go on too, like using the power of social media, you can follow up repeatedly with these guests that you've had on. So now I engage with them on social after I've done the interview and I already have some connection. Then it goes deeper. And then now what I'm seeing at this point, since I'm four years in, is this follow up where I can have people on a second time. So I had had a couple of people on a second time now, which is like the most fun thing ever. Cause we already have that built up and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to go on a second time. And so like, when I see like a company I had on two years ago, for instance, then they may have raised a hundred million dollars and I'm like, Hey, what's up? Like, do I come on the show again? Talk about it. Yeah. Great. And that deepens the relationship. So I think people, when they're thinking about losing podcasts, like that is the real magic of how you build relationships through podcasting and continue that relationship on you know, long after the interview is done. So if I look at some of the earliest ones I did in 2018, 2019, like keeping relationships with those people for years to come. Like now I look at, I just have, I have like friends of mine from the podcast. Like I go and run with Sam, the founder of Well-Traveled. We go and runs in LA. Like she was one of my podcast guests, maybe like year or two ago. And we just like kept in touch and was like, Hey, we're going to run around at some point. And so like, that to me is the real magic of podcasting and how it kind of opens that door to have relationships with people. Um, whether it be you're a founder who B2B companies, you could use it as a B2B pipeline. Uh, whether you're a consumer, you want to elevate kind of your other, uh, your, your customers. There's so many ways to use it. I would just say as a relationship building tool, it's like second to none. Love it. And what are the best ways that uh, the podcast that people can listen to or, and, and stay in touch and continue to learn uh, from you? 
Yeah. So there's one podcast called Just Go Grind. You can find it at justgogrind.com. Obviously, it's on all the podcast platforms as well. If you search Just Go Grind, the Vitalized Podcast is the second one. So the Vitalizedpodcast.com is how you can find that one. And then uh, me on Twitter, just Justin Gorin212 on Twitter. I always tweet about the podcast and many other things and questions going out there as well. So you'll find you'll find it all through there as well. Love it. Thank you so much, Justin. Really appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it, David. Hey friend, thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. Would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Um, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.